Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Let's start off this morning with our first guest, Josh McGoldrick, who's Chief of Staff and General Counsel for the Oklahoma Department of Commerce. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad you're here. We um, wanted to visit with you this morning about the census. You're the unofficial census wrangler for the state of Oklahoma. Um, Talk to us about how the census is going um, here in Oklahoma. How are things looking? Well, right now uh, we're behind. Um, Okay. You know, we've we've put forth quite the effort. I believe that uh, as of yesterday, our response rate was 59.8%, which is the self-response. The national average was 65.5 percent oh, come on Oklahoma um, we were right we were tied for 41st uh, as of a couple of days ago with Arkansas that's not top um, 10 I don't know if, no it, no, it is, no it's not the top 10 um, <laughs> so you know it's certainly been a uh, you know a, a slow process mm-hmm. um, we're hopeful though there's still there's not a lot of time left but there is some time left that we can definitely improve on this uh, our partners with um, with the U.S. Census Bureau have been doing a lot of work as well as well as too many other groups to name, really, um, yeah. nonprofits, educational groups, uh, to help us try and get this rate up and help explain to Oklahomans why this is important to every one of us. Well, so explain that. Why is it something um, that everybody should participate? Just full disclosure, everyone in this room has completed the census, so we're on team census. Um, why is it something that that people should should do? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons, and I'll just kind of give you a few of them. Sure. Uh, first off, and and what everybody thinks about is the redistricting. Mm-hmm. You know, in Oklahoma, we have five U.S. representatives and 149 state legislators mm-hmm. that are elected by districts. Uh, these districts are drawn to have equal populations. So, if you're in a district where it has low response rates, then essentially that makes your representative have a larger area to represent, mm-hmm. uh, which, as we all know, you know, we talk about local control of government, you know, local control of all aspects of schools, things of that nature. It's better to have, in my opinion, your representative living where you are and knowing right. what your issues are. And this is going to make that where you don't get the same type of representation that you might um, otherwise. Uh, also, uh, the census for everybody that does not fill it out Oklahoma stands to lose approximately $1,675 a year. Man. So whenever I think about this, you know, I'm married and I have two small children who are, uh, one of them is in preschool, the other one is in grade school. Uh, for my family of four, if we don't fill that out, that's $67,000 that the state Holy loses. smokes. And when you think about that, you know, my oldest, he is eight years old and he is in second grade. Well, Obviously, he wasn't around last time we did the census. Uh-huh. And so if I didn't fill out the census for him, he'd be 18 years old by the time that we fill that out. Wow. And when you think about the services that children use uh, and that have access to, um, that's certainly that that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of services that they use that we're essentially not getting any kind of help from the federal government for. If I were not to fill out the census and, and count him. Um, also, I know this is kind of this is clearly an education-centered podcast. So, mm-hmm. some of the issues that uh, your listeners probably would want to know is yes. money that we get from the census. Uh, it supports a lot of things. Um, you know, it supports you know, special education. Mm-hmm. Uh, it supports our Head Start programs, which you know kids yes. are able to do that. I think it would tend to make uh, teachers' jobs a little bit easier. 
Um, it supports our after-school program, mm-hmm. uh, classroom technology, you know, food assistance. I think that we all know that you know if kids are not eating well, then they're not learning well. Yep. And so you know this helps with some of our free and our reduced price lunches. Um, it helps with uh, you know various different maternal and child health programs. Helps reduce class sizes, teacher trainings. I mean, it's got a pretty big impact on the education system, not just the education system directly, but all those other things that children and parents need so they're full when they get to school. Yeah, we say that education does not operate in a bubble. Right. It takes all of the supportive services um, in the community to, to, uh, to educate the child in a holistic manner. Right. And it's exactly what you said. They can't, they can't learn if they're hungry. They can't learn if they don't, if their family doesn't have the resources they need to take, take, take care of everybody. Yeah. Um, what are, what are some, have you guys been working with schools or, you know, education groups to kind of get the word out about the census? We have been working with education groups. Uh, for example, we've also been working with the department of education. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a statewide complete count committee, which the goal is to get everybody counted and everybody counted one time. Um, Carolyn Thompson of the department of education is on that committee and she's an active member. I know that they promoted, uh, sending out some resources to schools. Uh, I've had some schools contact me with asking things that they can do and resources for, um, marketing materials or, uh, other groups in their area that may be active with the census that you can maybe speak to their class or, you know, they could coordinate efforts with. So we have been active. I appreciate the efforts of the schools and our educational groups in trying to do something to help us get this complete count. So what are some things that, that what are things that teachers, administrators, support staff, what are, what can our education folks do to support what you guys are, are trying to accomplish? Well, you know, this month is actually, I believe, Constitution Month. It is. And responding to the census is a, uh, it's a constitutional obligation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would, I would assume, you know, it's been a while since I've been in public school, but uh, I would assume that, you know, Constitution Day is something that is celebrated probably in all of our classes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that helping our children understand how important the census is, you know, they can also relay that to, to their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, you know, the government is, as you probably well know, is not always a trusted group. Uh, they're not, sure. we're not necessarily a trusted group for the people that are, that don't fill out the census. I mean, people right. like the three of us on this podcast, we're going to fill it out without somebody telling us to. Right. Other people, they have certain levels of distrust. And fortunately, teachers still do maintain a, a pretty good level. They certainly maintain a level, good level of trust with the uh, right. parents of those who they educate. And so, you know, you can always uh, slip in a census material in the, you know, with the student's Thursday folder. Um, I know that on our, the state census website, okayletscount.org, we have several marketing materials, which include, you know, one-page sheets with important census facts, things of that nature. If you wanted to, you could provide that to the student. And certainly just helping to, to raise awareness of why the census is important to everybody. So, so I wanted to talk a little bit too about kind of where we are in the process. Census, census workers are coming out, right? Is, has that started in Oklahoma? And so, so what, okay. Should people fill it out online? Should they wait for a census worker? Should they, like, if they don't have their form that was mailed to them, what, what do you, what do you need people to do right now? Well, there's, you know, a few different ways you can fill out the census. 
Uh, what I would recommend is going to the website, which is 2020census.gov. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go on that website, you can click the button to respond, and it'll ask you for a census ID number, mm-hmm. which that is usually on the mail-in packet, mm-hmm. or that is on the mail-in packet. However, if you didn't receive a mail-in packet, you can still click. There's a link on that page which says, if you do not have a census ID, click here. Mm-hmm. You can click that and complete the census anyway. Okay, cool. Um, I believe that not having, I believe the census ID is kind of helps them with their record keeping. But sure. to make sure you get counted, um, you know, if you haven't gotten a packet by now, we're down to the last 20 days, I believe, of the census. Oh, man. And so it's more important to make sure that you absolutely do get counted. Um, if you don't have great internet access, you can also call the census phone number. Oh. Uh, that's 1-844-330-2020. And you can fill out the census by phone as well. I didn't know that. Uh, if you complete it by phone, there are you know several different languages, you know, obviously English, Spanish, um, but there's there's several more languages that they uh that they can help you complete your census in if there's a language barrier. That's great. And about so, and about how long does it take to to do the census paperwork? Well, I did mine online, and I did it. Uh, I went ahead and just to make sure I got it done, I did it before I received any forms or anything and just used the website. Uh, I think that it took me, for my family of four, maybe 10 minutes. So uh, at most it's pretty quick yeah it's it's an easy it's an easy fill out i i filled out mine on paper and because uh it was it was peak nerd time i loved it and probably took more than 10 minutes just because i was real excited and my husband was probably like oh my word cool it well i mean it it affects so much i know of our of our political society as in um how we're gonna redistrict our yeah. or gerrymander our um, our our um <laughs> state lines mm-hmm. um how many representatives we have in congress yeah i mean it affects our federal dollars coming back to oklahoma uh, just like you said it, and and it does affect education it mm-hmm. does affect our political dollars so we've got to get people to to fill it out and remind us of that deadline, Josh. We're getting close. The, the deadline is the last day of September. All right. Get and on it, So, people. you know, so don't wait. And, you know, we talked about the census response rates. And, you know, one of the problems that I, I think that we're having is, especially right now with COVID going on and all that. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, I don't know about you all, but it's rare that somebody comes to my house unannounced yes, anymore. Yes, right. That I don't so, know. You know, now... <laughs> Now there's people that are coming over unannounced during a pandemic, and so I think that it's maybe people may not want to answer the door or don't want to don't deal with all that. Which I will say that if the census workers show up, they are wearing identification. Yes. Uh, they're supposed to be masked. Right. They won't ask to come in your home or anything like that, or they shouldn't. Um, they have identification that you can see to verify that they are in fact a census worker, and that it's not some kind of a scam or anything like that. They're not so, trying to sign you up for cable. Right. They're not trying to sell you a vacuum. A pyramid scheme. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. It is the census and it's important. And will anybody from the census ever reach out and contact someone? Because if if we're talking about scams, you know, these are some of the scams that that, that we hear about. So uh, does that ever happen? No, the only contact that you'll have from a census person is just the door-to-door enumerators that come to help people fill out the census and have yet to respond. Um, 
it's possible also if you if you fill out online without the census ID, you may still have a census worker okay. come to your house. Yeah. Um, to just verify their record keeping and all that stuff. So yeah. don't be alarmed if that happens. That you'll never get a call about that. Obviously, the census is free. It doesn't cost. You know, it brings us money. It doesn't cost right. us money. So. If somebody asks for money or you know credit card information or some sort of information like yeah. that, then certainly don't provide it. Right. Um, another thing that I always tell people is that you know the census doesn't cost any money on our taxes. You know, yes. don't expect some sort of attack. You know, by not filling out the census, that you're somehow going to save money because there's less of a tax liability. Essentially, the way that it works is the federal budget is like a pie. And the census determines how big of our piece our piece is going to be. Yes. And so, you know, by filling it out, you're keeping that money here instead of letting the money go to, you know, New York or Michigan or California or where or Texas or wherever. Yeah. So it keeps that money at home where where people who live here and who use these services can actually benefit from it. Yes. It benefits Absolutely. you. It benefits your neighbors. It benefits your friends. Your grandparents. Yes. I mean, this is something that ripples through our communities. So do it for yourself. Do it for your neighbors, do it for your friends, and do it by September 30th, which is right around the corner. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> well, thank you. We know that this is a very uh, busy time for you, to say the least, Josh. So we really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with us about um, all the work that you guys are doing to um, get everybody counted. And we'll do our part Anytime. and push it out. Yep. Anytime. I appreciate you all having me on, and uh, I'm, I'm always happy to do it. And now we're joined this morning by Cal Ware, one of our advocacy specialists who represents uh, members out in southeast Oklahoma. Good morning, Cal. Good morning, everyone. Well, we wanted to visit with you about advocacy here at OEA and sort of what that looks like. So we have several advocates here on staff. So tell us, what does an advocate do? Well, uh, an advocate is, uh, we are in the legal department mm -hmm. at OEA. And you, you can kind of think of us as the, as the first line of defense. We're the first ones <clears throat> who get calls um, concerning uh, legal issues, um, bargaining issues, mm -hmm. contractual issues, um, uh, how, how things are going in the classroom and how does the law apply uh, to this issues. And so um, we, we really are just kind of the first line of defense and, and the first people who get those phone calls. So I think a lot of, you know, especially our bargaining locals think of you guys as, as help for bargaining. So can you talk a little bit about that? What are, what's your role when it comes to those bargaining locals? What do you do to help them get ready to bargain or to sort of do their best when it's time to go to the table? Uh, so much of, of bargaining is regulated by law. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, all of it is. Uh, the School Employees Negotiations Act, uh, Title 70, Sections 509.1 through 509.11, regulate everything in Oklahoma uh, regarding bargaining. So a lot of what we do as advocates, we have uh, bargaining teams call us and uh, ask us, can we do this? Um, can the board's team do this? Mm. Um, and, and, uh, through, through the years and through our experience, we, we gain quite a bit of, uh, knowledge about, uh, writing language, um, for negotiated agreements, uh, writing proposals, um, 
and uh, helping with uh, certain styles of bargaining with our bargaining teams. And we do basically what the bargaining team requires of us. Uh, sometimes we just receive phone calls from a bargaining team. Mm-hmm. Sometimes bargaining teams don't call us at all Yeah, uh, if they don't need any help. Sometimes we go and uh, sit in uh, uh, preparation meetings uh, for bargaining with those bargaining teams. We help to write proposals. Um, we help to develop strategies for that local's uh, uh, specific situation with bargaining. Uh, because when you're dealing with bargaining, you're, you're dealing mostly with personalities. Sure. Um, you know, the law, the, the law regulates it, but uh, a lot of what you... Uh, where the art comes in is is dealing with those personalities, and then and then some advocates. Uh, you know, the, the bargaining law allows um, both teams to uh, pull in consultants during the actual bargaining meetings, and uh, some advocates are uh, sitting at the table um, wow. during those bargaining meetings as a as a consultant. So the range of what an advocate does for bargaining, it, it's it's all over the place yeah. and it depends on what that local desires um, uh, at the time. And one year might be uh, very, you might have very little to do and, uh, and suddenly your bargaining team retires and yes. you've got a brand new bargaining team that happened uh, with me in the Southeast uh, two years ago. And I went out and did two workshops for a new bargaining team. Uh, we call it bargaining one-on-one. And I introduced the School Employees Negotiations Act to them and, and told them what can and can't happen. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's quite extensive, but um, it was, a, it's it important. was a, a new experience yeah. for everyone. Yeah, it's, they've got to get it right. Fun fact, Cal and I uh, cut our teeth on the same bargaining book <laughs> because we taught together in Yukon. Oh, I forget that you and, guys were both yeah, out there. And so we, um, we were both on the negotiations team to start off with our, our association pathways. I didn't know that. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So we were, we were taught by Mary Pratt's and, and by the time, you know, we were senior level negotiators, mm-hmm. um, we had seen pretty much everything. <laughs> From from bargaining with our advocate in the room to um, feeling comfortable enough to bargain on our own to um, to actually going to impasse and going uh-huh. through that whole process. I'm just now going to refer to both of you as senior level negotiators. So that sounds I, very <laughs> impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So we could we could tell some stories on each other. And, yeah, maybe don't um, though. Yeah, maybe not. That that'll be a different podcast. <laughs> um, so that'll be the late night, <laughs> late night <laughs> podcast. So another big part of um, your role as an advocate is to advocate for individual members. So talk about reasons that. Um, like what are sort of big picture reasons that you as a member could need an advocate? I always like to, I give the example always of that people get in trouble for breaking up a fight and they get in trouble for not breaking up a fight. Like there are so many reasons that no matter who you are, it could, I mean, just things happen. So what are reasons that you guys work directly for members and how does that kind of happen? Well, you know, you, you, talked about uh, getting in trouble for breaking up a fight and, and getting in trouble for not breaking that that 
that exact thing has happened several times um, uh, in in my region, and uh, it, it comes to the point where where uh, school districts get sued, whether they uh, are breaking up the fight and trying to help the students, and and are not breaking the fight. It's just it it truly is um, a, a dangerous world out there, and uh, it helps to have uh, the advocate. Um, in those situations, because the advocate is is slightly removed from the situation, whereas uh, you know the 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 employee and the administration are right there in the fray. Um, the advocate uh, provides a a logical, reasonable uh, outlook and helps to uh, calm things down and get things going in a, in a productive manner. So the, the example that you used is, is actually very appropriate. Um, but it, it like, like everything else, it com- it ranges, uh, entirely. Um, uh, right now advocates are, uh, there's, there's a lot of locals that are still bargaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so advocates are very, very active, um, in in the bargaining aspect but we've got all of the i guess you could say uh, quote unquote normal um situations that advocates normally deal with at this time of year and and the and the situations do um ebb and flow with the time of year sure, uh, to some sure. degree um you know beginning of school uh, uh activities um uh create different advocacy uh, roles than do end of the year. So, um, right. So, so like what, and, like, and, like what right now is something that you like that, that is, what's sort of the fall typical challenges that our members face? So um, uh, bargaining is one. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of new ones brought in new kind of, issues uh stirred up by by covid right um but but and, and i'll i'll get into those in just a second um uh, your your typical uh during a normal year um beginning of school year uh advocacy issues are uh dealing with uh contracts or, or negotiated agreements being ratified mm. uh, sometimes we go and help with those meetings to run those meetings um uh, we've got Oh, your typical certification issues. Um, you know, we have a, a lot of emergency certifications, and we have a lot of uh, people um, uh, getting different degrees and and mm-hmm. uh, getting those on their on their certificates. Um, we've got. Um, I'm, I'm helping somebody with uh, correct pay issues. Um, Look at your paychecks, at, people. Uh, Check your yeah. paychecks. Oh. Make sure that with the new contract, you have yes. that increase in salary. Yes. Exactly. Those those types of things. You know, we've got um, uh, members who who aren't sure. Uh, a teacher's paycheck, by the way, a teacher's pay, pay, stub, pay stub is one of the most complicated things you can ever look at mm-hmm. um, in in school, and uh, it, it takes uh, a lot of people and a lot of um, work to understand it and to and understand if you are uh, getting paid correctly. Mm-hmm. And so 
and our advocates can come out and and do a uh, check stub reading seminar for our members as well. I know yes. that that yeah, is that. not always the favorite and most exciting thing, but <laughs> we found that um, we found entire districts whose pay paychecks were off. Yeah, because we've done this kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, there there have there have been some uh, through the years have been some major uh, cases that have had to be in, uh, had to be corrected, um, uh, by the tune of millions of dollars. Man. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's just such a complicated issue. Um, and sometimes the incorrect numbers are entered into the software and it's just calamity. It, and those things can go on for years. It is, it is, <laughs> it is, um, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, I've I've got uh, a sex discrimination uh, uh, thing going right now. Um, Yipes! I've got uh, teachers, you know, and this is this is where I might get into a little bit of the of the COVID uh, issues brought on by COVID. Um, I've got uh, teachers that are on their COVID leave, that are on sick leave, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we've got administrators who. Uh, are trying to get teachers to work while they're on sick leave and, and, no, thank and these you. are common issues. No, thank right, you. Right, right. No, right, that's not right. how sick leave, sick leave works. And I'm not even an advocate. It, right. <laughs> if I'm being charged sick leave, right, yeah. then I am not going to work. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like Cal's job, like 50% is just showing up and being like, that's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> Illegal. So what are some right, of it right. like, so I know that um, leave, COVID leave is one of the big things that we've been working with our locals on, whether they're bargaining or or meet and confer or, or not bargaining, just, you know, uh, working with their superintendents on what the needs of, of the educators in the district are. So, um, so what are some of the other COVID issues that you've been working with uh, locals on? Well, so, so leave is, is a big one. Um, and, and because the, the state school board um, didn't, uh, has made uh, Superintendent Hoffmeister's uh, plan into recommendations rather than, than requirements. Uh, how that translates for each school district is that each school district gets to um, make up their own plan. Yeah. Uh, so we have of, 500 uh, plans. <laughs> that, that, we have 500. <laughs> that we is have over fantastic. 500 different plans. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, it, it, imagine, you know, the beginning of a normal school year is chaotic anyway. Sure. Imagine the chaos that that adds to it. I don't um, want to. I don't want the, to imagine that. <laughs> there is right. It's it's scary. There is there is a you know a desire for a, a standardized uh, type of return because that sure. provides structure sure. and security. Sure. Um, and when you do the opposite of that, uh, you you don't provide structure and security right. and. And fear ensues from that. Right. And whenever everyone is operating on fear, you've got, you know, our brain research uh, lately has, has shown us exactly what happens. Um, fear uh, takes over at some point in every person's mind, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it creates uh, bad decisions um, or a bad decision-making process rather than 
good decisions from the logical, rational part of our brain. So, um, so you throw fear into all of this and it really, really complicates matters. So back to the, the, the weave issue, um, we've got all of these different types of plans. Uh, some districts have uh, sat down and created a special COVID leave for mm-hmm. their uh, individual employees, and they might call it administration, administrate, administrative leave. They might call it emergency leave. They might call it COVID leave, whatever. Um, but it's it's a form of paid leave that the the board has promised their employees if their employees run out of their uh, FFCRA uh, 80 hours of leave that's given to us by the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, uh, which was enacted April 1st and will go until December 31st of this year. Um, and that is the... Uh, that is the 80 hours of paid leave that a school has to uh, provide for a person if they fall within one of the six qualifying uh, uh, qualifiers for uh, for taking their COVID leave. We just kind of call it COVID leave. Um, but so beyond that, we've got all different types of uh, leaves that a district might or might not have come up with. Then you've got your your COVID leave from the FFCRA uh, Act, and then you've got to go through your normal accrued leaves. Um, all of those are are run just a little bit differently, um, depending on on how the district uh, does their like they might do their uh, sick leave uh, sharing or a sick leave bank. Um, but there's uh, quite a few leaves that that are available, um, but typically is never enough, you know? Well, if just sort of to close out what, um, what do members do if they need an advocate, if they have a, an issue with, with leave or any other type of administrative, um, issue or review or assignment, that kind of thing, how do people, how do people get help from OEA advocates? Well, um, Probably the most the most common way is to get on the website and uh, look at where you are in the state and um, call uh, headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, if you call just the general number at 405-528-7785. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, then you can be directed to your advocate from that point. Perfect. Uh, and, and it's best to speak to the advocate first. Um, a lot of people think speaking to a lawyer first is, is, uh, the best way to go, but all of your advocates were teachers, yep. uh, were school employees at one point. Yep. And, um, we know the issues, uh, sometimes better than the lawyers do. Uh, and you lived it and we can help you. Yeah. We can mm-hmm. help you with, with those issues. Uh, before a lawyer can, so you'll be directed to your advocate first. Now, a it, lot of because times it when brings I, when you bring a lawyer to the table, it's a whole nother level of of tension, tension and paperwork with with a district. I mean, that's that, just that. Yeah. That's exactly uh, true. That's a very good point. Whenever 
uh, a lawyer steps in, then the district has to hire a lawyer and right. everything's, be- everything becomes more level more 10. formal and, yeah. and, uh, and things tend to progress maybe a little bit faster than what they should from right. that point, whenever things could possibly have been worked out right. uh, more on an informal level. So, uh, it, it is highly appropriate to speak to your, to your advocate first mm-hmm. and the advocate can then decide whenever that lawyer is needed to be pulled in. So look at the website, find, find the number. Um, uh, you'll be directed to your advocate. A lot of times I, I give out my number at, at, at speeches. Um, I want people to get the right answer yeah. Um, rather than searching around someplace else and getting the wrong answer. So um, We're here call to that serve. number if, if you need us, and, and you will be directed to your advocate, and we are here to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cal, for your time, and thanks what, for what you do for OEA members every day. Yep, you make a difference. Thank you, guys. Uh, you're welcome, and, and thank you very much for that acknowledgement. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Do, 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 do. Uh, so let's talk about tips and tricks. Now, this last week we did tips and tricks, I think, on Google Forms, and it was awesome. You can go onto our website if you haven't seen it yet, okea.org slash tricks. Um, we do a tips and tricks on technology every Tuesday at four o'clock and it's on Facebook live. They're fantastic. You can um, ask, ask questions. You can ask. Yeah. It's Just, interactive. Yeah. Whatever you kind of need to know. Yeah. Wherever good. you are on the learning spectrum. Yeah. Uh, they will speed it up or slow it down uh, to help you out. And so. We have posted um, the topics for like the next two months yeah. on our Facebook page. So if you go to the OEA Facebook page and go to the events, you can see all of those scheduled yeah. tips and tricks and the and uh, what we're going to be talking about. They're fantastic. We've got a lot of great feedback on them. Um, number two, let's circle back to the census. Make sure that you take the census and, and, your, and your friends and, and family. And your friends and family. I mean, it is super, super important. Carrie, do we have any resources that we've put together readily available for our members? I don't. On on Pinterest, and we have a Pinterest board. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I just drew a blank. <laughs> we do. I put it together. <laughs> what am I talking about? Yes. We have a Pinterest page or a Pinterest board about different census resources, uh, about filling it out, but also resources for teachers. There are a million great lesson plans. I mean, like for all ages, pre-K to high school, math, ge- geography, writing, uh, languages, like, I mean, whatever you teach. There's the census has got different resources for you. So our Pinterest page, uh, OKEA pins has a board for the census. Fantastic. And I know Superintendent Hoffmeister uh, called us out in a challenge uh, last week Mm -hmm. on video. So I'll be recording a video of um, uh, of how easy it is to take the census. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be challenging our OEA board to then yes. also complete the sen- census and sentences and sentences because both of them it is impressive when <laughs> actual when people can actually uh, complete sentences in 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 Just podcasts and speeches and 
on TV. Full disclosure. (laughs) We did start recording this morning a little earlier than normal, and it's just been... A train wreck. I'm but sorry. Go ahead. We we need more caffeine definitely <laughs> before we do this. Um. So, so take the census, please. Seriously, people. All right. And lastly, um, find a candidate that you believe in, and do some work for them. Mm-hmm. You know the saying, "Be the change you want to see." In order to make changes for public education and continue to have public education supporters in elected offices. From local all the way up to state and federal, we've got to put in some sweat equity with these candidates. And I think during a presidential election year, there's so much focus on the presidential election. But if you think about the things, the 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 elections that really affect you as an individual and your job and the things you're able to do with the kids at your school, I mean, those are state and local offices. I mean, that is... We, I think sometimes it can be distracting with the presidential election. Like our, our legislature is so important to what it is that we do just in our everyday lives. So find somebody you like. I've already volunteered for two different people. One, I, one Republican, one Democrat. I have, and um, one lost and one won already. So, <laughs> I mean, 50-50. Um, I'm, yeah, yeah. You may not you may not want me to work for your campaign. They're I like, don't know. I may be the kiss of death. <laughs> Pass. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, so we have some opportunities this weekend that we have set up, and I'm, uh, I know Catherine and I are both going to Tulsa. Uh, I'm going to go too. Yes. This afternoon, tomorrow. Yes. We are super excited about that. Can can I just say one thing about this also? Yeah. Like volunteering. I, I love doing it right now is you don't have to, there's no really interacting with people. You're just dropping literature. Yeah. yeah. But also listen, for those of you who are parents, listen, you (laughs) listen, Linda, (laughs) you get to be outside walking by yourself. <laughs> it is so peaceful and relaxing. <laughs> it's me time. Right. There's no me time during the pandemic. So I'm just saying, like, this is like also me time. And the unseasonably cool weather right it's now. Perfect. Usually I look like a just sweated out <laughs> mad woman going around. And I'm thinking that it's gonna be lovely. Tonight and tomorrow is gonna be so nice. Yes. Wearing red for public ed yes. and walking and putting literature. And and when we do these activities, Carrie, um, do we put information out for people yeah. to join us? Yeah. So be sure to check your email from OEA. Um, if you're not getting emails from OEA, be sure to call the office and make sure that we've got your home email address. Um, we can communicate with members directly about different candidates and things like that. Um, but we can't just put it out publicly because then it comes into donations and kind donations. So make sure that you're checking your OEA email um, and uh, your text from OEA, that kind of thing. So we try to push those opportunities out whenever whenever they come up so that people have the chance to participate. Yeah. And and we've got some great education candidates. We've got some great members yeah. and activists who are running. And I'm super excited there about are, all that. There are a bunch of education candidates and OEA members. Yeah. I love it. I love it. More More teachers, please. More support staff, please. Well, We want to say thank you so much to Josh McGoldrick, Chief of Staff and General Counsel for the Oklahoma Department of Commerce. Thank you so much to Cal Ware, uh, one of our advocates here at OEA, for joining us today. And thank you to to you, the listeners, people who are tuning into Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, President of the OEA. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.